0: Good morning again, this is an exciting morning for us, our Honduras team has gotten back, it's already been mentioned. Wave a little bit if you're coming back, you just got back. Oh, there's one, I think a few on the way back. Yeah, they're back there, they're, they're kind of nodding off maybe, but that's okay. But that's normal, so that's all right. So anyway, but it's good to have them back safely uh, if you followed them on Facebook for the last uh, two weeks, uh, watching the amazing work they did was uh, just fantastic. Uh, and they did that in a sense on, a beh- on behalf of us also, so we really appreciate them going and uh, doing those medical clinics, doing the nutritional education things that we don't even think about being needed to be done, and even uh, putting in cement floors for homes that uh, had dirt floors. Uh, we can't imagine. So great to have you back. thanks for for going. Well, this morning we continue on to move through our series, Jesus on. Uh, message on the Sermon on the Mount, and we're applying it today and seeing how that all uh, fits together. Uh, if this is your first time here, uh, welcome. Uh, again, you can catch up by checking online, or if you've missed a few weeks, that's all available. You can also stop by guest services and pick up a CD. So last week, we began focusing on Jesus and what his expectation is regarding prayer. And we're going to be breaking this down into four parts as we move through our series of the Sermon on the Mount. So, last week, this week, and then two more weeks, just so you're aware of it. You know, when it comes to our prayer life, when it comes to trying to figure out how that all works, uh, a lot of times that's a a mystery to us. We wonder if we're getting the right combination of words. We're wondering if we're using the right approach. Uh, We wonder if our prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling, uh, if they're going anywhere. Uh, Sometimes we're very aware of God's presence. Other times it seems like he's aloof. And so there's a lot of uh, confusion that can creep into our understanding of prayer. And a lot of us remember uh, when we were kids, Kids, you know how we would pray, and it seemed to be a little bit more real, and we don't understand why our prayer life, in a sense, hasn't graduated into adult life. When we were kids, we liked it. When we were kids, we might even have reminded people to pray before a meal, if everybody forgot. But now it seems like our, our prayers have not grown up for the life that we now live, and there's a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little bit of a distance there, a little bit of a, a disconnect. So as as we think about prayer life, when we think about the words, uh, again, some of us wonder if our words are right and how that all works, and sometimes we wish we had a guy like this.
1: Joel Carpenter is a new Christian, so to help him pray, we've hired that super pastor guy you see on TV. God, please help my marriage. We're just really struggling right now. Oh, Heavenly Father, he who has created all things makes the sun and moon rise at his command. I beseech you, take this woman that you've given to me as a helpmate and bring her to her senses that we might abide together forever in a purpose-driven marriage. God, I'm really frustrated at work. Help me find a new job. I ask you now in this area of employment, thee who gives me the sustenance in an employer fashion, please guide me to something, if it be your will, that would bring you glory. My kids are driving me crazy. And I, I don't know what to do. You just help me out. You have blessed me also with many young saplings. And I ask at this day that you would help me and my helpmate to raise them in the way of your word. Amen, God. And now I end this time with you, Lord, bowing before you, giving you all that you deserve in sacrifice and in sacrament. Let it be known that the Alpha Omega is pleased. Amen. God, go. Real people, real prayers.
0: <laughs> you know, sometimes we get confused and think we need Super Pastor Guy to do the praying. Instead, Joe Carpenter can't, uh, in a sense, pull it off on his own. But that's absolutely not true. Now, I have met some people that genuinely pray like that. I love that. So, uh, you know, if that's from the heart, that's awesome. But if you hear me pray that way, you know there's a show going on. That's not the way I talk and and, and the way I, I usually pray. So... Um, so we, we, we again we come to this and uh, we look at this. A uh, couple last week we talked about uh, Eddie Ward who was in the group home next uh, to the church where we we're at one time and and uh, he was a 72 year old man who was uh, six in a, a six year old he was a 72 year old body but he was a six year old man that that's as far as he had developed and and when he would pray uh, his words weren't great they weren't connected but you felt like you were in the presence of God. Almighty. It was real. And so that's what God's looking for. But when again, when we're thinking about prayer, we're thinking about some of the prayers some of us might have learned as, as little kids. We can think of this one Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Should I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And it's funny, now as an adult and I look at that, I go, that is like a scary prayer. Okay, little Johnny, tonight you might not wake up, and if you don't wake up, you'll go to heaven, so don't worry about it. The boogeyman's not going to get you, or if he does, it's okay. I mean, it's just kind of funny that uh, we would pray those kinds of prayers, uh, not understanding all of that, that, uh, that that's actually a scary prayer. And so as we think about this idea, and we think about prayer, uh, we need to realize, that, again, God wants the prayers from the heart. And uh, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, if you're just checking things out uh, and you're thinking, wow, is, is there even any point to this? Uh, I hope that as you, as you walk through this, you're going to see that uh, prayer can become a part of your life. Now, I, I really want to be careful that I state this in the forehead. There is no, There are no formulas. There might be some parameters there might be some ideas when Jesus gives His model, which we're going to look at. It's not the words; it's the the concepts; it's the parameters. And a lot of us uh, play, pray on the fly, and that is great. But the real kind of prayer we're going to be talking about this morning is where you get alone. A couple weeks ago, get into your prayer closet. You, and you, and it's just you and God, and maybe some ideas to help our prayer life uh, really become a little bit more effective and to see that, that it is working. You see, we need to remember that our Heavenly Father desires prayer to, be, to personally connect with Him, not so He will discover what we need, but so we actually discover Him. God's daily presence is the reward. We talked about the gift of prayer. Prayer is is to get prayer to get is just skimming the surface of prayer. Now when you have a great need, it's not skimming the surface, but in a sense because you're just feeling it, but overall, it's about connecting with God it's not it's not letting him off the hook of working in your situation. Sometimes we say, well, you know when I when I pray, it's about me being exposed to him, him changing my heart, and the other stuff really doesn't matter. Well, no, that's not true. You're going to see as we walk through that. God wants to provide for our needs. God is providing for our needs, and he wants us to come to him. We're going to see it especially next week as we talk about the persistence of prayer. He wants us to to come to him. Uh, Another another, uh, prayer that uh, some of us are familiar with from around lunchtime or breakfast time, and we would learn to recite this, is this one. It's, God is great... God is good, let us thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed, give us, Lord, our daily bread. And what's interesting is as I started to look at this, I realized that that first line is very theological. It's actually a very deep prayer because it mirrors, and we're going to see how it mirrors um, the Lord's Prayer. The idea that we start with, God is great, and all that that means. And we'll unpack that in a few minutes. And then we move on to the idea that God is good. God is actually good. And sometimes uh, we have to stay in that, that section, let's say, of God is good. I have to remind myself God is good. Because sometimes it doesn't feel like God is good in my life. It feels like God is removed. It feels like God allows things to happen, or maybe brings things into my life. To maybe even sharpen me a certain area, but I don't even want to be sharpened. So I have to ask myself, is God good? Yes, he's good. I have to realize that. I have to take inventory. Sometimes, it, again, it takes not three seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds to come to terms with that. And then just to thank him. Thank him for the ways uh, he works in our lives. So let's uh, go right to Matthew, Matthew 6. Verse 9, that's page 678 in that Bible in the rack. If you don't have your own personal copy of God's Word, if you're new to the Bible and don't have a paper Bible, please feel free to take that. Also, the verses will be up on the screen, and uh, we really encourage you, if you have a a smart device, a tablet or something like that, to download a Bible app. Uh, One of the ones we suggest is Uversion, and uh, then you can have it with you wherever you go. So let's go to Matthew 6, uh, beginning in verse 9. And this, this prayer is probably recited, these verses are probably recited at, the, at least in the top three, four, five out there. People just know this. Know you all probably learned it with a little different of a version, so you have different words in there. But, but you, you know this. And uh, this is Jesus saying, here is my model. Here is the things to hang your prayer life on. When you get by yourself, Maybe when you get with another person, but it's not a distracted prayer time. It's not a prayer time on the fly. These are some of the concepts you need to wrestle with. So the first one is God is great. God is great. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This idea of greatness, of understanding who he is. You, You probably got that through some of the songs that we sung. Some of the songs we were singing was about his greatness, about who he is, and reviewing that and reminding of this, of the significance of who God is. I love nature. We've looked at Psalm 19 a number of times. You look at Psalm 19, and, and it just talks about the heavens declaring the glory of God. And we, we remind ourselves of who God is. Uh, not necessarily all the things he's done, but you say, wow, I can't believe that God cares about me I can't believe that God oversees everything and while doing all that he knows me we could turn to passages where Jesus speaks about God knowing the number of hairs on our head he knows us down to the details and often when I remind myself of that there's a moment where I go grat is great And then there's a moment where I go, oh, no, I don't like that, that he knows all my details. But God is great, and he's macro and micro. So we're told to hallowed his name. Uh, The idea here is to uh, keep it holy. Another translation uses those words, keep holy his name. Now, when we think about this idea, we think about holiness, we think about the idea of keeping him sacred in our lives, about him being significant in our lives. We we keep him holy, or we keep his name holy. We hallowed his name. We glorify his name. When we we come to daily decisions, big and small, and we put him first, and we, we keep his name holy, we, we show reverence and respect for him. It's not being scared. It's a reverence and a respect for him. It's a, it's a, it's a honor to him. It's realizing who he is, that, that tension of knowing God is the creator almighty, but he's also my heavenly father. I can climb up on his lap figuratively, and I can call him daddy, Abba, father, but he's also God almighty like the idea of somebody who's a bigwig in some kind of industry and you couldn't get into his office. Nevertheless, other kids could get into his office. But his kids can go right past all those little uh, dividers, all those little secretaries or administrative assistants, go right by them, walk right in and open the door and go right into that office. There's no inhibition from doing that. We have that in our midst as being his children. We've said yes to him. But we also have to remember that he is holy. So how do we personally keep God's name holy? There's a couple things we can do to keep reminding ourselves to have a a reverence, a awe of who he is. And the first one is by trusting him. When we trust him, When we put the weight of our lives in his hands, we're saying, God, you are great. You're great enough to cover whatever is happening or not happening or the hurt in my life. God, you are great. I am going to trust in you. In Numbers we read, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I've given them. A lot going on there. If you're familiar with the story, Moses and Aaron took things in their own hands. They are supposed to speak to the rock. They struck the rock. And uh, God's response to this is, You were not honoring me. You did not trust me. And so you're not going to enter into the land. I'm going to give the rest of the people the promised land. And we can make a little application here. When you and I want to have peace in our life, when we want to feel a little more settled because the world is shaking all around us, when you and I are in the storms of life but want the calmness in our heart, it begins with trusting God Almighty. And when you and I trust him, we can walk into the figurative promised land of peace. When you and I do not trust him, peace is just out of reach. Sometimes you and I will bring other things into our lives. Sometimes we will self-medicate. We'll do certain things that either dull the sensitivity of whatever's happening in our life, to make us feel good for a little while, we go shopping, we may drink too much, we might get into all these kinds of things, and, and it's because we're not trusting in him. When we want to keep his name holy, when we want to show his importance, we want to show that he's a macro-God and a micro-God, a God that works in our hearts, we lean in and we trust. That doesn't mean we don't talk with him, that it's hard to trust Many times I have to say, I, 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 Lord, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling like I'm settled. You need to you need to help me with this. He wants us to be honest. He wants us to be genuine. He wants to share what's on our hearts. And I want to trust you. Sometimes I'm reading something through and I read a characteristic of somebody or somebody did something, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, the Newer Testament. I go, wow, I want to be like that person. Well, I want to be like that person, but I don't want to be like that person. So, Lord, help me to even have an appetite to be like that person. Then there's also the area of freeing or fearing And this we get into, and this is a very complex uh, subject to us. How do we we keep God's name uh, holy by fearing him? And and I really, again, I think it comes back to this idea of um, awe, awareness. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. You go, wow, that doesn't seem like the Heavenly Father that I could climb up into his lap for. The idea of dread is who makes you tremble. You you realize who he is. And so because of that, you have this sense of awe for who he is. I've shared this uh, many times, but it's the way I grapple with this idea of fear. Is this idea that when when I was a little boy and I did not want to uh, displease my dad because I did not want to get punished. So I was a little scared of him told you the story that uh, my brother and I one time, and you may disagree with this, but if I hadn't had this kind of discipline in my life, uh, who knows what I'd be doing now. But uh, when we were really bad, it meant that we were going to get spanked with the belt. And I remember one time we hit all my dad's belts. And then we forgot he wore one. So that made him a little more upset. So at first, I was scared to death. Well, not scared to death. I would never have done some of the things. But I was pretty fearful of the punishment that would come. And so I wanted to avoid that. So I wanted to please my father so I wouldn't get punished. I think I've shared this before, too. I remember getting older and being 16 and being grounded and in that moment, I was grounded for two weeks. I wasn't doing my schoolwork properly, and the, the hammer was coming down on me. And two weeks grounding, and I can remember saying, Dad, just don't ground me, just spank me. Spank me for an hour, I don't care. I just wanted it done and over with so I could go do what I wanted to. He goes, no, 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 Dave, this is, this changes as you change. You're grounded for two weeks. But anyway, but th- this whole this whole idea of fear. And then somewhere in my late or. Er- Probably early 20s. I'm married, thinking about my dad, and now our relationship's changed a little bit. And now I don't I don't I don't fear punishing from him, but I fear displeasing him. I, I, I want to be right with him. I want to make him proud. I want to honor him. I love when I talk to him and uh, he tells me he's proud of what I'm doing. And uh, I just, it just, that is so awesome, awesome. If you, if you have kids and they're getting to be old like me and your kids are doing things that you see, that you appreciate, telling about it is awesome. So now I I don't have a fear like I'm going to get punished. I have a fear that I want to do things right just to please my dad. There's a development and involvement of this idea of fear. And that's really what God wants us. God doesn't want you to be scared, so if you step out of line, you get slapped down. He's not, he's not, it's not all about that. It's He wants you to have an awareness and a respect of who he is and, 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 and what he is about. And there are times where, in a sense, you know, God wants us to have reverence and understand who he is and and have an appreciation from that. And I know a couple years ago, there was something going on with um, Memorial Day or Veterans Day. And my dad got into his Air Force uniform. He could still fit into it. And, uh, you know, officer, he was a lieutenant colonel. He retired. And And he got into that, and he went to school with one of my nephews. And there he is, dressed in his blues, you know, and all that kind of thing. And when I saw those pictures, that just made me proud of him. I go, wow, you know, I forget, Dad, some of the things you've done. And just like us with our Heavenly Father, we can forget some of the things he's done. So having a fearing awe of him. Almost goes up without saying, but it has to be said. Also, the way we keep his name holy is by obeying him. How is your behavior? How is my behavior? Do I really obey him? Do I obey him when I think he's not watching? If I remember, he's great. I know he sees it all. But when I think he's not really aware, maybe he's busy dealing with some other situation you know, around the globe or, or at least my neighbor he needs to be dealing with so he's not looking my way or whatever or you know, uh, something like that or whatever, that, that then, then he's not watching. Am I, am I obeying him? Do I, I, not again because of fear, but because I just, I just know that because I have a respect for him and awe for him, I, I want to please him. And unlike my human father, God, our heavenly father, is perfect, is perfect. He doesn't make mistakes. So do, do, does it affect my behavior, the way I act? Do I actually obey him? When I was in high school, my dad was also a school teacher, and uh, fortunately he taught in a different uh, school district, because I wouldn't be alive today if we had been in the same school, he would have f- figured out what I was doing more, but um, he was in a different school district, but in his mind, and this is, uh, is kind of embarrassing, but in his mind, he did not like me wearing blue jeans to school, here I got them on right now, he did not like that at all, so he, would, he, he wanted me to wear corduroys, I hate corduroys now to this day. So sorry, if you're wearing corduroys today and I look away, it's because I just can't stand. But anyway, uh, corduroys, he made me wear these corduroys. And, uh, you know, so what would I do is I would take my blue jeans in my gym bag, go right into the locker the first thing I got to school and switch my pants out back into my jeans because I didn't think he would know. And dad, if you're listening, I don't think you know this story. So sorry about that if you're listening online, but uh, I, I would do that. See, so, so my respect wasn't going that far. Now, if I, if I, if he makes a suggestion or thinks about something, and I have heard it, and I kind of acquiesce to it, or I just my silence said maybe yes, I make sure I backtrack around and sell, tell him whether I did it or I didn't do it because I, I just want him to know about that even though he's not viewing. So when it comes to, again, to this idea of keeping his name holy in awe, do we obey him? Keep my commands and follow them. I am the Lord. Do not profane my holy name. In other words, we wear his name. If we're one of his children, we just sang, I'm a child of the Lord. He has a place for me. If I wear his name, don't profane, don't cheapen his name. I must be acknowledged as holy by the Israelites. I am the Lord who made you holy and who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. And when you see that phrase, brought you out of Egypt, that is code for I brought you out of captivity. And those of us who have said yes to Christ have seen how God has brought us out of captivity to sin. We're not chained to it anymore. We're not, we're not under its authority anymore. We don't have to live captive lives. And that's because of what Christ did for us when he gave his life and rose again. So when we come to our and who he is, we should want to obey him because we want to please him, not because we're going to get caught, even though we will get caught. <laughs> Also going along with this idea is to honor and glorify him. Glorifying, honoring him. And we've kind of talked about this already. I must, I must be respected as holy by those who come near me. Before all the people, I must be given honor. And you say, wow, God's pretty small if he can't let us kind of go through life and, and not, not honor him. What's this whole deal that he, that he wants us to do this? I'll tell you. I'll tell you, I was reading a, uh, I, now I'm going to get myself in trouble So I'm going to talk a little bit about culture and I might not know what I'm talking about. But I was reading a, a little bit about uh, Justin Bieber, Bieber? I used to call him Beaver when, when the kids were younger, and that would bug them. I know that's wrong. Justin Beaver, Bieber, uh, I was reading a little bit about, about one of the things, and you can't hang all this on, but one of the reasons why he uh, grew up very aware of Christianity and following Christ and kind of went his own way and now has come back the other way. One of the reasons he did that was because of the examples in his life that were Christ followers were not good examples. So, it's not just that we're not giving God honor and glory, we're having a ripple effect in the people's lives around us. How you and I behave, how we honor God in our lives, doesn't just affect us in our life, it affects those who are watching our lives. Our kids, our spouses, our neighbors, they're all watching. And it's so funny, you probably have had this happen to you too, People know that I'm a Christ follower, and every once in a while, I think they have no idea what it means to follow Christ, and all of a sudden, this one line comes out, and I say, they know more than they let on. They're watching. They know how I'm supposed to honor God with my life. So it's not about just so God doesn't feel slighted in heaven. It's not like step in heaven, ooh, they're not honoring me. Now I feel bad. It's not about that. It's he wants his life. He wants his life. His glory, His honor projected to other people so other people might get in on the life that He's given you. But when we're not good examples, when we're not honoring, we're not obeying, it affects that ripple effect. We really do need to, in a sense, take a knee, lay down before Christ, and say, you are my master. I'm going to follow you. Peter writes this, in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Do people in your life see that you have a hope in you? Do they see it's not a hope in what you're doing, it's not a hope in your finances, it's not a hope in your abilities, it's not a hope in all that stuff, but it's a hope in God Almighty. Do they see that? Because if you and I are honoring and glorifying God, people will get glimpses of that. And it all starts back at the heart. We've talked about inside out throughout this Sermon on the Mount. And so we honor Christ in our hearts. And then it shows up on the outside. Another uh, translation uses the word must worship. So sometimes we think we go to church to worship, to, to you know, sing our praises. But the idea is it's so much larger than that. It's that tip of the iceberg concept we've been talking about. It's that we worship Christ with our lives by making him lord and that honors and glorifies and then other people see the hope in us and it touches them so god is great we respond to god's greatness by living differently also god is good thinking about his will talked about this a little bit earlier, this idea of God's will being good. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we look at life and we look at the things that are flowing through our life or in our life, we have to realize that we do serve a good God. And we need to remind ourselves of that. And as I said earlier, sometimes it might take a little bit longer. If you only have a minute to pray, God is great, you're there. You can acknowledge that. You look out your window, wow. But then when you get to this God is good, you may have to hunker down in that area for a while to really revisit that. And it's not to say words, God, you're good, when you're not feeling it. It's to acknowledge that. Say, God I know you're good, but I know it in my head, but I don't feel it in my heart. I don't feel it in my life. Help me. Help me to feel that you are good. To agree, not just intellectually, but at an emotional heart level, that you are good. And then that means following his will. Um, We can uh, look at uh, Romans 8.28 that says, That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God, that love for God is crucial, is worked into something good. How many times have I seen that when I, I try to follow his lead, and I've had some heartaches, some hurts, that as I follow his lead, as I try to live a life of love for God, that I find not all of them, but many of my heartaches turn into something that some goodness flows through. It may not be immediately, it may not be for a year, it may not be for five years, it may not be for 10 years, but I I could talk about something that happened 15 years ago that I didn't think God was being good to me. I thought he was being mean to me. And now as I look back, as I've tried to live a life, not always perfectly, but live a life of love for God, now I see many of those things turning into something good because it did something in me, and now it's doing something through me. So how we deal with God's will. Christ himself had to deal with this. Going a little farther on the night he was betrayed, he fell with his face to the ground. He knew what was coming and prayed, my father, if it is possible... May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Praise this three times, three times, and uh, we have these sentences. I'm sure there was a lot of energy and emotion. They say, uh, you know, sweat, drops of blood. It, it, it was, it was just how hard. His, his friends that had come along with him to, to support him have fallen asleep. He goes back to them. They still keep falling asleep. And, he, and he's going, is there a plan B? But not my will, your will. And there are days, there are weeks, there are times in our life where that just has to, is on the forefront of our, our mind. That this is not my will, but this is your will. That means we have to make an about face with a lot of things that are going on. We, we realize that, as, as Jesus talks about this, that we need to change our life. The king, God's kingdom is here. We need to change that behavior. We need to change those actions. Um, not just for exterior, but it comes from an inside. And God's kingdom is the idea of God's rule is here. God's rule is here, one heart, one life at a time. That's God's kingdom. Last part of that little children's nursery rhyme kind of uh, prayer is this: Let us thank Him. Let us thank Him, and the reason we can thank Him is that His reliability is understood. We understand His reliability. We lean in that we have again, and going back to the idea of trust, He shows us that He is reliable does this in in three things, and we see this coming through this model prayer for us. Uh, First, there's the essentials. Give us today our daily bread, that we can understand, we can be thankful because God is reliable. We can understand that. We can hold on to that. We may not know how he's going to show up and be reliable in our lives, but he is reliable. Is reliable. You can go back through the history of your mind and think about the times where it didn't seem like things were going to come together and all of a sudden they did, and now you realize that was God's hands on your life. It wasn't just that you were doing good things and that was part of it, but God's hand is on. He gave you your daily bread. I want my monthly bread. I want my yearly bread. I'd like to be able to I'm all set for the next year. Daily bread. But the beauty of leaning into him for daily bread is that every day we lean into him. If I had a monthly bread or a yearly bread or decade bread, I'd probably be leaning more onto the decade bread than him in a daily basis. So his reliability is understood. He takes care of the essentials in our life. Also, there's the idea, the concept of forgiveness, When he says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. His reliability, that he does forgive us. He does forgive you. No matter what is in your past, no matter what history, uh, the consequences can still have ripple effects, but God does not hold that against you. Oh, am I so thankful for that. There were times where all of a sudden feelings of things that I did that were wrong. I'm embarrassed that I did them. I was selfish. I wasn't thinking. And all of a sudden, I start creeping into me. And these could be things I did in high school or whatever. And all of a sudden, I start feeling guilty. And all of a sudden, I realize wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't have to feel that way. God has forgiven me. I can let it go. That's, that's coming from my heart or coming from the evil one or coming from somewhere, but it's, it's not coming from God because God has forgiven me. He's reliable. And then also God just expects you and I, because we're forgiven, we learn how to forgive other people. It's not an automatic switch you switch. There's a process with that. But we should be moving in that direction where we know God's forgiven us and we just, oh, so great. And then we also have the strength and ability to forgive others. And those kinds of things do not happen in a three-minute prayer. They happen when you get into your room, your closet, if you will, and spend time. And sometimes it is a lot of time and a lot of days. That's the way it works. But he is reliable to forgive us. Also, the understanding that he's reliable in the tests of life. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There's a lot of different nuances going in. and I don't have time to go through every uh, part of this, but the idea of temptation. No, God doesn't tempt you to sin, but he does put t- tests in your way. And sometimes it feels like temptation because it's right there. Uh, it's like a good teacher tests their students. And what does a good teacher want their students to do with the test? Pass it. A bad teacher wants them to fail, right? You know, wants, well, you weren't paying attention in class, and uh, that's Dave Spencer, wasn't paying attention in class, so I'd like to see you this show up on this test. They wanted to, you know, to, to fail. God wants us to pass the test. The world, the evil one, wants us to fail the test. So we find, and you've found, if you've followed Christ for any time, that when you lean into him, when you talk with God and you say, Lord, I I see this thing on the horizon and it's hard, I want to do the right thing, that he helps us with the strength to pass the test, to move on. Prayer is the power to connect intimately with God. Not Not only to have him hear us, but consciously enter into the place of his presence by pointing to his greatness, surrendering our will, and declaring his reliability. So, our bottom line this week when we think about prayer is this God is great, God is good, let us thank him. We've understood. Do you understand that he's great? Do you understand that he's good? And you understand that you have a lot, a lot to be thankful for. And when we bring these ideas to our prayer time, we find that we have a prayer time that works. It works on our hearts, and it works in connection with God, and we see him showing up in our lives in marvelous, marvelous ways. Let's pray. Father, we do want to, in a sense, follow the model this morning as we close our time together. We thank you that you are a great God, a powerful God. We think of some of your characteristics. We think of your strength. We think of your holiness. We're just at awe with who you are. Sometimes we become familiar with you and let that awesome thinking be diminished. We ask for forgiveness for that. Help us to come into those longer moments with you, with the idea that you are great. Help us also to see your goodness in our life. Help us not to just mentally uh, acknowledge it, but Lord, I pray that at a heart level, we would be mindful of your goodness. And uh, we're just... Uh, so thankful that your will for us is a good will. It's a good direction. This, this chapter in life is just a drop in the bucket to what's coming in the second chapter of life. And then, Lord, we, we always have a gratitude of thankfulness that you are reliable. No matter what any of us are facing today or this week or have faced, we will find that you are reliable. And if there's anyone in this room that's not said yes to you, we pray that as they think about these thoughts, they would have a yearning to respond to you and say in their heart that they just want to have a relationship with you. They thank you for the forgiveness of sin you offer them. They want to come into relationship with you so that you are literally their father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.